morning, friends and family of First Baptist Church. We're glad that you're tuning in with us and uh, understand that we're going through some COVID things here at the church, so we appreciate you uh, being patient with having your understanding. I want to share a real quick, fresh word with you. You know, of all the sins that, that I commit, I believe that unbelief or doubt is probably one of the ones that grieves the heart of God the most. According to the Old Testament and the New Testament, doubting or a lack of faith it grieves the Lord, it provokes the Lord, it causes him a great deal of pain. And we see a prime example of that when the ancient Israelites, after God had delivered them from the people of, of Egypt uh, out of the hands of, of Pharaoh. The psalmist is making a confession in the text when he says this. And by the way, this is in Psalm 106, verse 6 through 7. The psalmist writes, We've sinned with our fathers. We've committed iniquity. Now these next four words. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Well, what was the evil sin that Israel had committed? What was their, uh, what was their major thing? Well, it was doubt that God would further deliver them from the hands of Pharaoh. They doubted God would finish what he started. They doubted that God would deliver them out of their bondage. Uh, before they got to this incredible, uh, this incredible miracle at the Red Sea. The, the psalmist is really asking us, the readers, to imagine God's people as they stood rejoicing on the victory side of the Red Sea, on the side of the Red Sea where they could look back and see the waters fold in over uh, Pharaoh's army. The Lord had just performed one of the greatest miracles in all of history, in all of the history of mankind, delivering the Israelites from the mighty Egyptians. Yet, how did these same people react when they were faced with hardship after God had took them out of the land of Egypt? You would have thought that they would have believed Him. You would have thought that they would have trusted Him. You would have thought that they would have had a, a wholehearted faith in Him, but they didn't. They doubted God. So the psalmist is asking us to imagine what they looked like to God standing on the victory side of the Red Sea. And so really what the writer is essentially saying is, can you believe these people? All the things that our God did to bring them over here on their behalf, delivering them from the enemy, yet even after all the incredible miracles, they, they somehow mistrusted God. They even provoked God with their doubt. Y'all, it was a different story altogether when Israel stood on the victory side of the Red Sea. There was also a trial side of the Red Sea. They sang when they got to the victory side. They didn't sing on the trial side. They sang and they danced as they watched the Egyptian army drown in the Red Sea. The Bible says, same text, Psalm 106, verse 9 through 12, God rebuked the Red Sea also and it was dried up, so He led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of Him that hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy and the waters covered the enemies. There was not one of the enemies left. Then believed they His words, and then they sang His praise. You see, I believe the Israelites had the right song. They had a song of praise to the Almighty God, but they sang it on the wrong side of the sea. They had the praise song, but they only sang it on the victory side. They should have been singing the praise song on the trial side. Anyone can sing and rejoice 
after they've went through the trouble. Anyone can sing and rejoice and praise God on the victory side of the sea. But Israel had failed miserably on the testing side of the Red Sea. They hadn't trusted God at all there, even though He had brought them so far. Now after they experienced a miraculous deliverance from Egypt, the psalmist makes this shocking claim. He says, They soon forgot His words. They waited not for His counsel. They despised the pleasant land. They believed not His word. Do you see what's happening there? God had proved Himself to His people in Egypt, performing great signs, ten incredible, miraculous uh, signs there in Egypt. He had sent frogs and locusts and turned the water into blood. He had done all these incredible things. And, and on ten separate occasions, He brought judgment on Egypt. He had kept the Israelites safe. Yet according to these, but according to the psalmist, these miracles really didn't leave a lasting impression on the Israelites. According to the psalmist, these great wonders of God didn't leave a lasting impression on the people of Israel. You see, when hard times hit, the people probably looked back and they saw the past wonders as natural calamities. They began to explain away the great move of God. They began to explain away the miraculous. They began to explain away what had happened in Egypt. So Moses tried to convince them that it was God's work on their behalf. All of the plagues and all the great moves and all the great wonders and all the great signs was proof that God was taking care of them. And he pleaded with them when he said, the Lord is using all these miracles to orchestrate your deliverance. But they still doubted God. They still doubted His mighty works and they took His miracles for granted. Church, we don't build our faith on the miracles of God. We don't build our faith on signs and wonders of God alone. Rather, it's the Holy Spirit who strengthens us in the Lord through our trials and our testing. Yet even so, Israel had witnessed ten earth-shaking signs and wonders such the world had never seen, nor had we seen since. But they arrived at the Red Sea without a shred of faith. They arrive at the Red Sea without a shred of belief. They arrive at the Red Sea doubting whether God was going to move for them. It reminds me of a story I heard. There were two brothers out playing on a hillside. Uh, all afternoon and the younger brother said brother can you imagine just how far the sun has moved in the sky earlier today the sun was over that tree and now it's over there by that tree can you can you believe how the sun has moved the older brother said buddy only it isn't the sun that moves it's the earth our daddy told us that that the sun doesn't move the earth does the first little brother shook his head because he didn't believe. He doubted what his daddy had said because he had seen it with his own eyes. He saw the sun move from there to there. He didn't notice the earth moving because he was standing on the earth. And so when he shook his head in doubt, from his perspective, the sun did move. And he was standing on the earth. And the little brother said, I know what I saw triumphantly. He was saying, I don't believe, Dad. I trust what I see. He was, telling the older he was telling the older brother, I know what Dad said, but I also know what I saw. The older brother said, hey, buddy, you can believe what you want, but I'm going to believe what Dad said. Y'all, were all divided into one of those camps of those brothers. We either accept, we believe only based on our senses, what's revealed to us, 
what we can understand, what we can explain, or we can believe the word of our Heavenly Father. You see, the test of our faith, the test of our belief, isn't proven on the victory side of the Red Sea. Our faith and the metal of our, our belief is built on the trial side of the Red Sea. Let me give you three tools real quick that can help you sing the victory song on the right side of your circumstance. You see, victory is won long before the battle begins. Victory is won before you go into the battlefield. When the enemy suddenly comes on us, we're going to need all the available ammunition that we can get. And the ammunition is supplied by the powerful Word of God as we hide its words in our heart that we may not sin against Him. Here's the first round I want to give you. Number one, be a diligent reader of God's Word. As you study the Scripture, you're beginning to understand how much God loves you and how omnipotent God is and how powerful God is and how all-knowing that God is. And if you're not convinced of His, absolutely lo His absolute love for you, you won't be able to handle the crisis of faith that comes your way. If you don't genuinely believe that God loves you, He'll never abandon you. He'll never forsake you. It'll be hard for you to be convinced that His love for you endures forever. So be a diligent reader of God's Word. We put our Scripture online every day on Facebook, and Tabitha Hall does a wonderful ministry with that. So we encourage you to read Scripture every day, and it's posted on our Facebook page. Number two, you're cultivating intimacy with God every single day through quality prayer time. Our Lord wants us to cry out to Him, not just in our times of crisis, but He wants us to cry out to Him when things are good, when things are well. Praying during our hardships is enough. Seek God out in your good times, when things are okay as well. You see, our faith isn't meant to be merely situational. Our faith isn't meant to be strong when things are tough, but our faith is meant to be strong no matter what the circumstance, no matter what comes our way. Church, the circumstance in our faith does not, uh, the, the circumstance and struggle doesn't, grow, uh, doesn't affect our faith. It's not where our faith is grown. Our faith grows when we are speaking with God on a regular basis, developing our relationship with Him. Lastly, the last bit of ammunition I want to give you is this. You're trusting that God won't allow you to face any trial without making a way for you to endure it. He will always make a Red Sea for you to get out of. He will always provide a path for you to, to, uh, to be victorious. And should a great trial come upon you, don't weather whether you'll be strong or whether you'll faint. You see, our Heavenly Father gives us grace when we need it. And you've developed a close, intimate relationship with God. You've read His Word. You've spent time in prayer. And He'll pour His enduring grace out on you when you need it most. In conclusion, I give you this word. Man says this, if you show me, I'll trust you. God says, trust me, and I'll show you. You can look back and thank God, and you can look forward and trust Him. Maybe God's taking you through troubled waters right now, and you're wondering, why is God taking me through this rough patch? Why is He taking me through these troubled waters? And maybe you're doubting God. Maybe you're doubting His love or His sovereignty. Maybe you're doubting Him. Why are you in the waters that you're in? But maybe the reason why God's taking you through those troubled waters is because He knows the enemy who's trusting you can't swim. We believe God knows what He's doing and that He does all things well. 
Don't allow your circumstances or your situations to diminish your trust in God. And when you do, it means your faith is situational. Our faith is not built upon our situation. Our faith is built upon a Savior. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in for a very special uh, online presentation during a, uh, during a tough time. God bless you. Hope you have a great week in the Lord. Good Lord willing, we'll see you all next week.